My, oh my. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you this morning. Man, times of refreshing. Oh, I don't know about you, but there's something about being in the presence of the Lord. And you know what? Times of refreshing is not just a separate moment. You know what? That, when I also hear that, I go, that means the presence of the Lord is going to just permeate our lives. Because remember Acts chapter 2, it talks about the times of refreshing. But what is that times of refreshing a result of? The presence of the Lord. So I don't know about you, but I'm just, I'm excited because more than anything that we want as a church family, what do we want? We want him. We want Jesus. And so our goal has never been to let's build a big church. No, it's we're building a church that he is boss of, that he can flow in and that he can actually build himself. Amen. So this morning, let's get into the word here, and we're going to just pray, and we'll jump in. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for who you are, what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Jesus, for the words that you've given to us, that you've spoken to us. And Father, now we look to your written word, where it is, Father, we know it contains your very self in it. And we thank you that your word does not return into you void, but it accomplishes all that it's been uh, sent to do. We give you the praise. We give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. In Luke's gospel, let's go there again to Luke chapter 15. And uh, there's just something that's been on my heart for quite some time. And actually, I kind of came across this. It wasn't that I was necessarily studying out of this. The Lord brought this to my attention and I just, I can't get off of it yet. So we're going to just camp around it. Do you think that we've soaked up everything Luke 15 has to offer us? No. Right. And the time that you think, well, I've heard it already. Well, then obviously you're missing something. You know, one thing that the Lord's really helped me with, anytime that you kind of get a little bit, uh, that again, or really? There's obviously something that you're not seeing. Because every time that you get to the word, it should get you excited, going, oh man, I saw something there. Lord, what else is there? And you can always peel back and more and more to what the Lord has to say through these verses. Now, leading up to where we're going, you remember the prodigal son? I mean, of course, the Lord had, or the Lord, this father had two sons. Jesus gives this, in, this story. And of course, they, the younger one asked for his inheritance way ahead of time. And so the father distributed it both to both sons. And the younger son left home, took all of the money and said, hey, we're, I'm out of here. And he spent it all in reckless living. Right, And then it says a severe famine came in at that time on the land. And the son did everything he could. He lost all of his money. So he forced himself onto another, to a pig farmer and just asked, hey, can, please just give me something to do. Give me a job. And so finally the guy, yeah, okay, here, go feed some pigs. And again, for a Jewish man to be hanging out with pigs is they basically as low as you could possibly get. Right? So then all of a sudden he, a thought comes to him, comes and he says, my father's servants not my father's kids. My father's servants are well off. They have more than they could ever want. They could have more than they could ever need. And here I am starving. So we find out in verse 18, I want to go back to my father's house and I will say to him, Father, I was wrong and I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. So please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. Verse 20. So the young son set off for home and from a... Long distance away. Man, I don't know. Every time I read this, I just, I love what Jesus is portraying here. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar. Now filled with frustration and where's my money, kid? The father ran out to go slap him. That could be the story. That a lot of times, you know what's that? A lot of times that is the mindset that believers have about their father. 
that, man, I can't believe you're doing this. You are wasting your life. You are no good. You are rotten. I can't, get over here. I can't wait till you get up to heaven and I can slap you a little bit. That's how some people view God. But instead, what do we see? What does this younger son meet on this road? A great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And the father interrupted and said, Son, come on, these four words. Son, you're home now. Come on, shout that out with me. Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. And bring out the best shoes that you could find for my son. And let's prepare a feast and let's celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was dead but now is alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone, come on, say it with me, everyone, everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Come on, what is heaven going to be like? Everyone. That includes the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterian, the Catholic. Well, sub, well you don't have to figure that out. Born again. And the charismatic crazios. We're all going to be celebrating with overflowing joy. There's no melancholy worship. It's joy. Come on, yell it out. Joy. Man, these times are refreshing. And what's about to happen? Man, it's going to make you go, woo, this is what I'm talking about. Joy, joy, joy. I think the world should also know, man, oh, I know they're a Christian. How? By They know us by our fruit, by our love for one another. Absolutely. But also, it also helps when you have a smile on your face. Oh, I got to love that person. Hey, when you realize how much God loves you, what? Yes. So what we hear, if you, again, if we just stop and if you stop and think about this story here for a moment, do we ever see Jesus running in his ministry? Was he ever rushed? Was he ever in a hurry? No. The only time you see the, the Godhead running at any time is towards the prodigal son. It was an instant redemption, not something that he had to kind of work up into. He gave, got the cloak thrown over his shoulder. Son, you're home now. Welcome back. Right? Instant redemption took place. So now what does the father mean when he says, son, you're home now? I hope these words are ringing in your ears these weeks. Son or daughter, you're home now. But what we see is that the father restored his son to his position or his stance of royalty that he was already born into. Right? Can everybody show me the royal wave? See, it's already in you. You already knew how to do it. Anybody had good opportunities this past week? This is how we, you know, flip off the world. I'm royalty. So they finger you for getting something on the road. You just go. Anybody do it this past week? One, oh, Kyla, come on now. That's, <laughs> that's how we stick it to the enemy. Now, son, your hope now 
restored to this royalty that you've already been from before the foundation of the world. If you read Ephesians chapter one, God had this mind before you, before he even created the earth. So this is who you are, not what you're on your way to becoming. This is who you already are. So now we are taking the time to learn and understand what has already happened before in God's mind, who I already am. So you and I are on our way to becoming the people that we already are. Okay, that's good news. So you're not stuck. I'm just, you know, no good. I'm a bum. I can't do nothing. No, 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 no. Stop saying that. You're royalty. Now we've got to start thinking like it. So look at this, Ephesians 2.19. I'm just getting, leaving some quick foundational verses for you and I. It says, so you are. Say it, I am. I am. Not. Again, it's so good to know who you are, but also who you are not. I am not a foreigner and I am not a guest when it comes to the household of God, but rather I am children. I'm a child of the city of the holy ones with all the rights. Come on, say with all the rights. Our children, Jamie and our children, they have all the rights in our household. They have access to it all. My son went into that fridge and took all the milk he wanted in that tiny bowl of cereal. I went and looked, son, what do you think? You got a cow somewhere in the backyard I don't know about where the dog come from. He has all the rights because he is my son. Well, just as much you. This is what the father is saying to you and I. With all the rights as family members of the household of God. That's who you are. That's what you possess. Say it, I got it. So the Christian life is not about trying to get God to do something. He's already done it. You don't know your rights. And that's a big problem. We keep going, oh God, can you please do? He's already done it. God will never do for you and I what he's already done. And God will never do for you and I what he's already asked us to do. And so part of what he asked us to do is know who we are in Christ Jesus and what's already been provided. So that requires, I have to get into my Bible. Has it come to this? I have to read my Bible as a Christian. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you want to know what God has purchased for you and provided for you, yes, you have to be in your B-I-B-L-E. Because that's the book for me. Stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Hey. <laughs> Man, you guys are good. So when you spend time in the word of God, you spend time in the scriptures the Holy Spirit will illuminate the word to you. He'll reveal Jesus to you. And so what we see in Colossians chapter one, this is something that you can wake up every day and just get so excited about. Uh, Colossians 1.12, it says, your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think. Say with me, when you think. Anytime any thought this past week of how God made you worthy, God did it. He made me worthy to receive the glorious inheritance or all the rights that are in his household son your home now it's already been provided the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light he has come on shout it out he has come on tell that devil he has already what has he done he has rescued me completely completely free from the tyrannical rule of darkness and then he has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. 
It says, in this son, that's where I am now, in the son, all my sins are canceled. Talk about a cancel culture. We got heaven canceling things all over. Cancel sin. Where did he put it? He nailed it on the cross and it is gone forever. Now God would, it would be wrong of God to bring that back up to you. Why? Because he'd be doing a disservice to his son's sacrifice. God can't bring that up. It's done. It's under the blood. He can't even find a trace of it. It says that God doesn't even remember it anymore. Now, if you say something that God can't do, God can't remember what had happened with your sin. It's completely gone. He goes, oh yeah, what, 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 what's all that? Why are you bringing that stuff up? I have no recollection of what you're talking about. So stop it. In the son, all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very own blood. So now, son, you're home now. So, of course, this is a great place to start from, is you can soar with exuberant joy. Man, I've received Jesus. I've been born again. I've been brought into the family. And listen, you can celebrate the goodness of God on that every single day. I mean, the Psalms even tells us, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. What has he done? He has forgiven all my sin. He's healed every disease inside out. What has he also done? He's crowned me with love and tender mercies. I'm not going to hell. Anybody else woke up excited about that? Thankful for that this morning, man, I'm so thankful for that. I ain't going. So when the devil tries talking, I go, you have a very hot bath coming your way very, very soon. Very, very soon. So enjoy that and move on. But now that I'm home now, so of course the son, if you get, if you kind of keep this in mind with the prodigal son, he's home now, that party, man, just, and listen, the, the Jewish culture, they knew how to party. We got birthday parties that last two hours. Theirs lasted like two weeks, man. A marriage festival that lasted forever. And what are they doing? They're celebrating the covenant that God made with them. And listen, your father is a covenant-minded God. That's how he thinks. So we have got to become covenant-minded in this household as well. That's another message entirely. But what we're doing, son, you're home now. We celebrate, man, what God has done. And that's what we do when we gather, when we worship and sing these songs. We go, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you've bought me with your own blood. You didn't have to, but you did it anyways. Man, oh man, I'm so thankful for that. But now that you're home, don't stop the celebration, but while you're celebrating and enjoying this new birth that you've received, what is the focus? What is heaven's intention and goal with you? Yeah, it's to get you born again, to receive Jesus and you know, heaven is your destiny or your home. Absolutely, that's all part of it. But there's more to it than that. Don't just stop at why I said, you know, I said a sinner's prayer once and that's it. There's so much more to this Christian life. So much more than I just, well, I, I hope I have no more bad days. Listen, the moment you became a Christian, you are a target for the enemy to shut your voice down. He doesn't want you sharing your testimony. He doesn't want you sharing what God has done in your life. So what does he want you to just try to keep you quiet? You have an enemy. Satan looks at you and he goes, that's my enemy. He is after you 24-7. Got to be aware of this. The other thing about Christian life is, well, you know, I just, I just want God to do things for me. It's such a low level of thinking and living. God is not just some sugar daddy out there doing things for kids. He is a wonderful father. 
And fathers, I mean, we don't just, you know, here, hand everything out. Of course, we want to bless, nurture. But also, there's a culture and a thing with even within our own natural homes. There's a way of doing life. Of course, for us, we've chosen, me and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. So the word of God becomes our standard. But now that you're in this home, we celebrate all that God's done. But I have got to understand what heaven's agenda, what its purpose is with my life. So the ultimate goal, the highest call that you and I have in this life is, oh, I need healing in my leg. That'll be looked after. Oh, I just want, I want to be blessed to be a blessing. That, that's great. But the highest thought in all this is to look like Jesus. Yeah. Don't lose sight of that. That is the purpose for everything in this life. If you look through the Apostle Paul's letters, the, everything that he went through, man, the purpose, even all the stuff that he went through was just, to, I want to look more like him. I want to partake in the resurrection power of Jesus. I may be struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I may be perplexed, huh, but I, I have the wisdom of God on the inside of me. So everything that came against him was an opportunity you can see Romans chapter five talks about that a little bit. When trials and persecutions come this way, use them as an opportunity to develop character. (laughs) Character in what? To look like Jesus. Jesus, not like, listen, we know he went through the cross, but if you read Hebrews chapter 12, it even talks about how Jesus, he endured the cross and went through the hostility of sinners. The words that they spoke. The slander that they said, the things that they had did done to him, he endured it all. So again, Jesus, it's not that we just go, okay, what did Jesus do? I got to copy that. There's such a higher thought to all of this in embracing and seeing who he is and drawing my strength from him as the trials come my way. Now, the good news in all this, Philippians 1, 6, just to read this real quick, is that you do not do this in your own strength. This is not something you do on your own and you just go, oh God, I, well, I hope you make me like Jesus somewhere down the road. No, the good news in all this, it says that I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you, which is what the rebirth that took place on the inside of you, will, he will faithfully continue the process of Well, I'm 55, I'm mature. According to what standard? Well, my brother's an idiot. Yeah, that could be. But the standard isn't my brother. The standard is Jesus. Well, I'm better than so-and-so. It's not a competition between so-and-so. <laughs> the goal is to look like him. So he says that he's going to continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have just encountered or went going through a lifelong process of maturing. (laughs) Yeehaw! Anybody arrived yet? (laughs) No, I didn't think so. That's what you and I are a part of. So we have to allow rather than, oh God, I want nothing bad happening. I don't want nothing bad happening. That's, don't look at it that way. Look at it going, hey, that's, of course, it wasn't the Father's plan. It wasn't his will. But he, I'll tell you this. He has a good way of using that to sharpen in you what you need sharpened. Rather than, oh, God, why are these hard things coming? Now you can face things going, the Lord has enlarged me on the inside. Bring it on. 
That's a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And that's what real sons and daughters of God are. Right? We know where to hide. We know where to run. But at the same time, we know how to fight accordingly to the word of God. Now, I'll give you this, these verses again. I got a speed read here. Romans 8, 29 and 30. Again, just to show you, you need scripture, right? To be scriptural, you need scriptures. And this is again, Romans chapter 8, 29. It says, for he knew, who knew? He knew, yes, you read that. Who, who's the he? God knew all about us. Who's the us? God knew all about me before, say with me, before I was born and he, who's the he? God destined me from the beginning. Sometimes this is how I read it. Not, I'm not trying to, do you understand this? This is sometimes how I just really read it. He destined me from beginning, which is the beginning. This is before Genesis 1.1. To share the likeness of his son. Whoa. Because you can actually find out that that's true because Genesis 126, 127. Let us make man in our image and after our. Oh, it's the father's plan from before all of this. Right? This means, so what we just read, this means that the son, Jesus is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. <laughs> oh, man. So if your goal is, oh, I want to be like Cristiano Ronaldo. Hey, that's great from a soccer perspective, but don't just settle there. That is so low in compared to the standards of just like Jesus. Some of you may be saying, I want to be like Joel. I can hear it right now in the crowd. I just want to be like that guy. He's so cool. Like that man, he's just, he's a really cool guy. I just want to be like him. You're selling yourself short. <laughs> right? Yeah, what? She quickly bought my wife. Yeah. <laughs> You're selling yourself short because the goal is to look like him. Oh man. Okay, then verse 30. Having determined our destiny, what's our destiny? What is your destiny? To look like him. When? When you get to heaven, that will be finalized because you'll get a new body. But as he is, 1 John 4 17, so are we now. In this earth. What is he talking about? He's talking from a spiritual perspective. As Jesus is right now, so am I on the inside. So again, we're learning. Remember, you're a three-part being. We have to understand this. You are a spirit. And that spirit, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, looks just like him. Then you have a soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. What we're in the process of doing is changing the way that that thinks to line up with the culture out here, to line up with what the born again identity is on the inside. 
And the only way to do that is by spending time in God's word. Because God's word is a mirror of what you look like spiritually. So some people haven't taken a look in the mirror for a long time. You can tell when they talk, they just start talking. It's like, man, have you looked in the mirror? Do you know who you are? Do you know what you got? (laughs) When I hear that, I go, you haven't looked in the mirror for a while. And people are good at it every day. Anybody look at a mirror four or five times this morning? Me too. Okay. But having determined our destiny, which is again to look like Jesus, he determined that ahead of time. So what did he do ahead of time? He, God, called you to where? Called you to himself. And when he called you to himself, what did he do? He transferred, put the cloak, my own cloak, put it on him. He clothed me with his perfect righteousness. You cannot grow in righteousness. The cloak isn't going to get longer. It's on you. You are righteous. God looks at you and says, I see no fault. And now in this house, you have to get that mindset because that's how the father sees you. So that's how you got to see you. Cloak is on. I'm right before God. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And the devil goes, but you don't know. Remember what you did yesterday. I'm righteous before God. The cloak is on. It cannot be taken off. The father put it on me. His perfect righteousness to everyone he called and those who possess now this perfect righteousness, guess what he did? He co-glorified with his son, meaning you have been giving a seat just where Jesus is, Ephesians 2, 6. You got a seat at that victorious table with him. Now you ought to hear from his perspective what he thinks and how he talks. That's the table you want to be at. Okay, next is just this. Again, just to show you Paul's, his heart for the church and his heart for you and I 2,000 years later. Look at this, Galatians 4.19. He calls them my dear children. This is the churches that he planted in the region of Galatia. He says, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again and they will continue until what? Until Christ is fully developed in your life. This is the goal. This is what's supposed to take place. Christ being fulfilled and complete and developed in and your and my life. Now we know the Galatian church got off into religion. They got into works. And so Paul's saying over and over, this is what I'm going after. I'm straining. So if you read the, the New Testament through the Apostle Paul's letters, almost like have this as a lens for yourself, that the whole heart and the purpose of his message was to get Christ fully developed in the church. So that tells me that we got some developing to do, right? And thank God, his grace is there to do the work in us as we give him space to do so. Now, my focus, as I said, is the highest call as a child of God is to look like him. So now this is where we ended off last week a bit. In order for the life of Christ to be formed inside of us, it is absolutely crucial that I believe right. It matters so much what you believe. Like again, for that prodigal son, just think when he came home, we don't, does the Bible doesn't tell us how long that he was out in the world for, but however long you may have been out in the world for, he came home. 
They celebrated and they had that big party. So the next morning, what do you think some of the thoughts of that could have happened? Oh man, but I, but I did some horrible things. Do you, I, I, I wasted my entire inheritance on reckless living, on prostitutes, on alcohol, on drugs. I wasted, 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 wasted. Those thoughts could have come. So now you're home now. What needs to take place? You have to start thinking like the home. You have to start believing like the home. And to whatever degree that our mind is not thinking like home, the world is influencing it. Your past sin is influencing it. Your mistakes, your culture, the family that you were brought in is influencing it. How do we know that? Because we can hear what you think by the way you speak. So what you say tattletales basically on you. A lot of people tattle on themselves going, hmm, I know where you come from. And they talk and they talk and they talk. It shows what you believe. Jesus needs our belief for access to work in our lives. So if I read Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30 again, he called me from before the foundation of the earth. He transferred his righteousness. I've, I've trained myself that when I'm reading the word of God, I go, I believe that. Train yourself. I believe that. And all of a sudden the devil will go, yeah, but do you remember what you did in your past? No, 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 no. That man died a long time ago with Christ on that cross. I have been resurrected and I came out with it as a new man on the inside. That old sin nature is gone and dead. Who am I? I have the right standing with God. I believe it. Now, you'll see this in John chapter 6. So this again is the work in the New Testament. Say it with me, work. work. There's a big question that you hear so many times. What do I have to do? That's the wrong place to start. The first place I need to start is, what do I have to believe? Because when you actually believe something, you'll start doing it. Right? We're not, when you see the word belief in the word of God, he's not talking about a mental ascent thing here. He's talking about belief to the point of action. So Jesus, he just fed these people 5,000, fed the 5,000. All these people came back and they're like, Jesus, we want, we want more, we want more, we want more. He's like, you don't want more miracles. You want, you want more bread. That's really what you came here after. And so they saw Jesus talking to them. Then they asked him, what are we to do? That's the question that lots of the natural people, worldly people talk all the time. What must we do so that we may habitually be doing the works of God. Jesus could have said, well, if you spend time, lots and lots of hours, you know, in, in Messiah school, you could probably do some things, right? I got some good things for you to learn and good things. Yeah, yeah, there's some good understanding in that, but I want you to be doing some of this thing. No, like Jesus said right here, answered, this is the work of God. What is the work? That you believe. So again, welcome home, son. You're home now. Welcome. Okay. Hey, uh, dad, what, what do I do now? What do I do? What, what can I be doing? You want me to go on the fields? You want me to go do stuff? No, 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 no. I called you to myself. Why did he bring you to himself? So that he can influence how you think. That's what we're doing with our kids at this young age. Come close. Come close. Why? We are absolute brainwashing our children right now to the word of God. 
apps 100%, and I have no fear or shame in saying that. We brainwash them with the word, with the word, with the word. Because if we don't aggressively do so, the world will do everything they can to twist, to screw up young people. And not just young people, people general. So we are on purpose going, we are totally influencing their belief system right now. 100%. And I I tell you, aggressively go after that. I'm going to influence my children's belief system. Not so that they, well, that's Joel's God that they're, no, we're introducing them to their own relationship with the Father. But I'm there to coach and bring them alongside and say, hey, this is what God has to say. What do you think about this? Let's talk about that. Have dialogue, have that conversation. Jesus answered, This is the work of God to go out and start doing everything for the kingdom. No. Come to me, the father said, so that you can get your believing proper. Once you start believing right, he can send you on some errands. Get, go ahead. Go ahead and do that. Want me to go talk to that guy? Yeah. And he said, hey, I'll, I'll be with you the whole, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Okay. Okay. Um, can I pray for, can I pray for you for anything? What? Dad? <laughs> Anybody ever did something like that before? Oh, man. That happens regularly. <sighs> Are you okay? No, I'm not. I got a good. I saw this one meme. I love this meme. Uh, anybody ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Okay. So, you know, when he walks out of 7 Eleven, big gulps, hey? Well, See you later. And then he just walks away. I saw that as me stepping out to try to evangelize for the first time. Jesus, hey? Well, see you later. (laughs) So and the good news with that is you have a father that we can continually run back to. And once you start getting your brain influenced and your mind influenced by his word... Stepping out more and more because this mind change comes out of a beautiful, intimate relationship with your loving Savior. It's not just this separate thing. Okay, the Bible has to go here. Yes, it's true, but don't take out the relationship. The Bible is not just a book that we read. It's a person. So you're spending time with Jesus in his word. He's the one that illuminates. He gives you the strength, the boldness, the courage to do what he's asked you to do. But it's stupid and it's so wrong to start out and just, I'm going to go do these things without first getting with him. So then you have people that are just out there and honestly, they do more damage than good to the house. Turn or burn, turn or burn. Y'all going to hell. Has that helped anybody? Y'all suck. You're all going to hell in a handbasket. I remember for the first time, we went to New York once, and this lady was actually passing out tracks that said, Jesus loved you. That was the first time. And listen, on corner after corner, it was turn or burn. Y'all are going to hell. Wow. Is that true? Yes, there's truth in that. But nobody's listening to you because it's the sweetness of lips that increases learning. So this lady was passing out these little things. <laughs> she was a tiny little lady. I went, hey, this is, this is the first time that I see something that was actually some good news on it. And she turned away and looked at me and said, well, they're all going to hell anyway. I went. <laughs> I, I gave it back. I said, you are of no value 
in the kingdom. Like, honestly, you are destroying and destructive to what the kingdom of God is all about. So our, our, we would say, go, go be with the father for a little bit. Man, you ugly. You are carrying offense. You are bitter. Come, come join the flock. Do you want to? Yeah, Jesus loves you. I think you're going to hell. You don't deserve nothing. Look at you. How much do you drink? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? How many times have you slept with other ladies? Oh, yeah? You know, piece of trash. That's not helping anybody. Ugh. <laughs> anyway. All right, come on now. This is the work of God, child of God. So this is what God, this is your work for this week. That you believe, the Amplified goes on and amplifies it, you adhere to, you trust in, you rely on, and have faith in the one whom he has sent. That's the work. Well, don't I just do that one time and accept Jesus and I move on? No. That's the initial, you're home now. After that, it's a lifelong understanding and journey of how do I start to believe and trust him, not just my salvation, not missing hell, going to heaven, but for all of life. Jesus is Lord, yes, of my life, but is he Lord of your, self, of your finances? Is he Lord of your body? Is he Lord of your mind? Is he Lord of your marriage? Is he Lord of your children, raising a family? Is he Lord of your business? Is he Lord of this ministry? Is he Lord of, you name it. That's what he is to be lordship over, not just this one event of, oh, I'm no longer going to hell, I go to heaven. Yay, yay, yay. Wonderful. And we praise God, but it doesn't stop there. Okay. Now, right believing is the light that illuminates the path to freedom and out of prison. Right believing causes right living. So in this royalty home, that you're home now, and right away, your wave came back. So what comes first? Acting like royalty or believing like royalty? Believing. believing. Religion says act first. And that's why we have so much, you know, fake it till you make it. Man, we can smell phony from a mile away. Phony! And I'm sure you could do that too. You can smell and you go, man, I got a whiff of something and that ain't real. So instead, what are we doing? We are changing the way we think. We doing okay? Okay. All right. Now, wrong believing, on the other hand, puts you in a prison without shackles. Again, you're home now. If the son is to keep a wrong thinking, a wrong mindset, listen, he's completely free. He's been taken out of the tyrannical rule of darkness. He is so free in the father's eyes, but wrong believing from his past, what I did, what I should have done is keeping him in prison. Here's the word without shackles. Satan's got nothing over him other than he just keeps reliving the past. He keeps reliving his failures. He keeps reliving all the bad thing that he's done. It keeps him locked in. And Jesus blew open the doors, wide open. And here you are stuck as a child of God, not enjoying your salvation. That's crazy. Come on, yell that. That's crazy. Anybody, anybody else see that? That's, 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 that's crazy. You are a child of God. 
but I'm, I'm stuck. I can't go any further. I, I did this. This is what I did. This is what's going on in my life. And meanwhile, salvation is there. You have been given everything that the kingdom of God has to offer. And meanwhile, you're in a corner going, man, I, I can't believe I lived like this. And the father's going, son, where are you? Let's have some breakfast. Oh, man, I can't, I can't, I can't believe I did all this. And the father's downstairs eating grapefruit and toast and probably leftovers from last night going, I'm not even thinking about that. What are you doing? Y'all, what are you doing? I just, stop, I just, Jesus did. He died, he bled, he took it all. So get the emphasis off of you, please. Because this house that you're in now, it's not about you. It's about Jesus and what he did. All right. Now, so as you already told me, thinking right precedes acting right. Let's look at this in Psalm chapter one. I have about seven minutes and I got to read you 15 verses. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Psalm one. That's a nervous laugh. All right, Psalm 1, it says this, blessed. 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 What does it mean to be blessed? It means to be fortunate, to be prosperous, and to be favored by God. How many of you are blessed? Come on, I'm blessed. Come on, one more time, I'm blessed. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and their example. Why? Because it's screwy. Nothing in the world makes any sense. Have we figured that out by now? Lord have mercy. Nor does this man stand in the path of sinners. Does he not, doesn't sit down to rest in the seat of scofflers or ridiculers. But, verse 2, his delight. Now, I love these words. Because you and I are supposed to delight in the word of God, not, oh, I have to do my checklist. Because the moment you get out of, I have to do this, it now becomes law to you rather than delight. Oh, I have to obey God. No, 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 you don't have to. You are free more. You can do whatever you want. But you can change it. You can get to the place where you actually get so excited about the Lord, his word. Anybody been excited about the word of God before? Anybody excited about the word of God today? Yes, you can get excited about it. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law or his precepts, his teachings, what is he doing? He makes a habit out of thinking on it day and night. What is this guy doing? He's meditating. Meditating means to to think on, chew the cud, right? To regurgitate, to bring it up continually. This is what you're thinking on. So rather than thinking on what's going on in the world, what's going on in your circumstances, I am now continually thinking on his ways. So I got a problem. I got an issue that's come my way. What do I do? I go to my word and I say, Lord, show me a, show me a word for this. And you find your scripture. You write it down. You put it on the mirror. You put it in your car on these little flashcards. And you talk about it. You think about it. Every time you have a moment, you just bring it back up. Oh, yes. Man, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. 
Man, what has he done for me? And I'm just going to rehearse those. Da, da, da. That's, yes, he's, that's what he's done. That's what, what are you doing? You're meditating on that. You're thinking on that. Because when you're setting your mind to think on that, guess what you're not thinking on? All that other trash. So I have to set, say with me, set. Set my mind to do this. And when you do this, it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. He's going to think about this day and night. Verse three, he will be. What comes first? Verse two or verse three? Verse two says what? Meditate, think. Verse three says what? He will be. So, so much of the time we want to be, but you haven't been thinking. I want to be. I want to be prosperous. I want to be healthy. I want to be successful. I want to have peace in my home. Peace be. And God's going, what are you talking about? What are you thinking on? Oh, I just got so many problems, God. Your mind's still on the problem. You have to think, then be comes. So this is like the first lesson that the son woke up to going, son, I'm not asking you to get out the perfect wave that you just stand in front of all my employees and give a nice wave. That's not what I'm asking you to do today. I want you to sit down in this chair and all day I want you to get into my word to see what I think about you. I see you righteous. Some people have a hard time with that. And listen, as long as that unrighteous mindset or the sin consciousness the Christian world would say is dominant over right standing with God you are going to live stuck in chains to your past Rome or Hebrews chapter 5 I even believe it says that until the soul is pierced with righteousness understanding you don't progress past milk and there's nothing wrong with milk man milk is wonderful you need a good glass of milk because if all you eat is steak you need a toilet or something. Like you, you, you can't just like eat meat, eat meat, eat meat. You're going to have meat runs. You're going to have to, I don't know how else to say that. I'm sorry. I apologize if that offended you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if all you eat is meat, 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 you're going to need a glass of milk once in a while to chug that down. <laughs> Are we still, we still okay here? Sorry. I didn't know how else to say that. Am I forgiven? Can we, I'm, I'm not, I'm not weird. I'm just. I eat meat. I'm just looking for meat. I'm just looking for meat. When I hear that, I go, you actually need some milk. Because people get so weird. Well, we teach meat. All I want, I eat meat all the time. You're weird. Because you're going to need some encouragement. There's no way that the milk, I just don't need milk anymore. That's insane. You need the milk of the word to continually to feed you, to bless you. But it says, he will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. So now, what am I supposed to believe? What do I believe? Well, John 8, 32, Jesus said this, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Come on, shout it out. Make me free. I need more freedom. No, you need truth in your life. Well, what's, what's, what's truth? I'm glad you asked. John 1 17. It says the law of Moses, or sorry, the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God, and truth, say with me, and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what is truth? Well, it's whatever my truth is. There's no such thing as my truth. It may be my experience, what I've gone through, but what I've gone through does not overtake or overpower the truth and listen you can look at some statistics out in the world 
my truth is said so often and so prevalent, even within the church. Well, my truth is, <laughs> you got no truth. Nobody cares about your truth. It is wrong anyway, unless it lines up with the word. We have to subject our life to the truth. This is what I went through. It may have been horrible what you've gone through. I'm not minimizing any of that. You may have had some horrible experiences, childhood, adult, whatever it is, what was done to you, not neglecting of that, but don't let that be your identity. Son, you're home now. Righteousness is on you. That's who you are. And you have got to allow God now to change the way you think so that all of a sudden what was done to you now becomes part of your testimony. But this is who I am in Christ Jesus. Woo. So what is the truth? The truth is only found in God's grace. So the gospel is the power of God. The gospel of grace is what you and I are supposed to get our hearts so rooted and grounded in that no matter what comes our way, we always come back to my root. I'm rooted in this message of grace. Amen. And I ran out of time, but I'm going to read you one more verse just to see uh, what, what you believe matters. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, or 1 through 3 actually. Again, Paul talking to the Galatian church. Remember, he's so in anguish wanting to see the children, his children, he would call them, the ones that he birthed in the, in the church, to see their lives to be looked like Christ, right? So he says, hey, foolish Galatians. Sometimes you need some straight talk. Hey, idiot, what are you doing? Paul say with idiot, what are you doing? Stop, what are you believing? Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. What Paul is saying is, I presented the gospel to you in such a powerful way that you actually saw Jesus on the cross. My words painted a picture with the Holy Spirit illuminating what I said. You actually saw Jesus crucified on your behalf. You saw that. Then verse 2. So let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed. Come on, shout out. Believed. Because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So what do I got to do? I have to start changing what I'm hearing. What am I subjecting my ears to? It's going to affect what I believe. You heard something. And all the times people, I just believe that. Why? Because some influencer on Instagram said something to you? It's crazy. Then verse 3, he says, How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? That's just saying... Well, I accepted your home now, and that's kind of it. Okay, I'm going I'm to figure out how to, how to be a good son. I'm going to do this all on my own. Stop it. Get with the father, and he'll show you. It's a good dad. That's what good dads do. And the good dads in the house went, hoorah. All right, verse 4, two more verses. He says, have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Verse 5, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law or you put not even just obey the Moses' law, you put parameters and you make your own ideas of what you should do in order to get something? If I spend four hours of prayer, I should see miracles in my life. Anybody ever done that before? I have to just pray at least four hours a day and then I can see some action of God. Really? Do you know what that problem is? 
self-righteous works, and God will not have any part of that. Guess what's going to happen after those four hours of prayer? Your mouth is going to be extremely dry. God, where are you? No, he's not anywhere. What are you believing? So he says, of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So I can't tell you more enough over this. It's crucial that you and I take the time. Why do you believe what you believe? If you were to peel back all those layers, why do you believe that about marriage? Why do you believe that about yourself? Why do you believe that you are no good? Why do you believe that? Oh, if you peel that back, well, I, I did this, I did this, and you can trace, you can follow that as much as you want. The bottom line is, it's focused on what you did or what you didn't do. The emphasis of this New Testament is all on what Jesus did on that cross, yes. what he took for you. That's what you need to be start believing today. Yes. Stop it. I think this is a word for you today. Stop it. That meddling around feeling sorry for yourself, looking for somebody to come up and I just need a boost once in a while. No, you encourage yourself in the Lord. Stop looking for other people to, I just need somebody to hug me. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But man, grow up. You're home now. Welcome home. The Father has embraced you with every form of love you could possibly imagine. Stop sulking. Stop it. It's robbing you of your inheritance. It's slapping King Jesus in the face. You are more than enough through him. You are complete in him. You have more than enough because of him. Your past and what they say about you does not define you anymore. That's enough. What defines you? What my father says about me. And that's where I get my joy from. Amen. Let's take a deep breath. We love you dearly. And that wasn't just, I, I'm not trying to be harsh or mean. By the same time, it's, man, enough. The devil is chirping. Listen, what we're seeing in these last days is an increase of demonic activity. And we're seeing it in depression. We're seeing it in anxiety. And the church depressed and anxious? What's wrong? We're listening and believing another voice. He keeps talking and we keep going, I guess he's right. Man, I can't believe that. That is not the victorious church that Jesus purchased. That's not who you are. So that's enough. We shut that off in Jesus' name.